Welcome to the Friendship Bread Podcast. I'm Crystal. And I'm here with Alma. Hello. As you know, we love to be real and honest and have raw conversations. We like to talk about everything. Yeah. So what are we talking about today, Alma? Today, we're going to talk about our own experiences with learning about our mental health, how to take care of our mental health, and what that looks like. I feel like I need to buckle a seatbelt or something. Like, we're going on a ride. <laughs> not too crazy of a ride, I don't think. We're definitely not experts. No. So. At least I'm not. I don't know about you. No, I'm definitely not an expert. Okay. I feel like we've both learned a lot mm-hmm. about mental health and what it means to take care of our mental health. Yeah. You know, maybe growing up it wasn't something that we talked about a lot. Well, I think growing up, I thought that, like, the only like the only people who had to worry about mental health was, like, you know, if you had, like, schizophrenia or bipolar or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, then you need to be actively doing something about your mental health. But otherwise, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I didn't realize that depression and anxiety were part of mental health. Yeah. And I didn't realize how common they were either. Yeah. Like, I thought that having to worry about your mental health or take care of your mental health, I guess, not worry about, but, like, having to take care of your mental health was a rare thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, that was kind of my perception as a child. Yeah. I totally understand that. I know what you mean. What do you think your perception was? Pretty much the same. Like, if I heard of a couple going to couples counseling or something, Mm -hmm. couples therapy, it was, like, a big deal. They have to go to couples therapy? Now I'm like, oh, good. (laughs) They're going to couples therapy. Good for them. Yeah. Or, yeah, like, okay, if somebody was going to therapy, there was this idea that something was probably wrong with them. Yeah. And now I'm like, um, I am on board the let's all go to therapy train. (laughs) Like, even if you think there's nothing wrong with you, hop on board the train. Yeah. Here's a free ticket. Go get therapy. (laughs) Right there. (laughs) That's funny. I just feel like it's so beneficial. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what you're going through, or even if you think you're not going through anything. Mm-hmm. There's always something you're going through, even when you think you're not going through anything. So, yeah. I think the first time I finally went to therapy, she asked me why I was there, mm-hmm. and what I wanted to work on. I told her, well, to be completely honest, I know that some things need to change, because of a situation in my life that has led to a lot of anxiety and I like am struggling working through it but to be completely Mm -hmm. honest with you I didn't know how to tell her yeah like why I was there what I needed but I knew like I had gotten to this point of just being so stressed that Mm -hmm. I knew something had to change 
and I had tried several different things and someone had explained their experience with going to therapy and I said, yes, I'm trying it. Yeah. I feel like that was a bad explanation, but... I think it was good. I understood what you meant. My therapist kind of said, like, well, that's part of why you're here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. I know for me, it was like, I'd known for a while that I wanted to go to therapy just to help me work through some things. But, like, same as for you, stress was kind of what pushed me over the edge. Mm-hmm. And... You know, sometimes we work on really deep things, and other times it's nice to just have somebody who's just there to help, just to listen to whatever I have to talk about that day. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's my kids, or homeschooling, or, you know, our podcast, or whatever it is, whatever it is that's on my mind, and... Sometimes I leave and I'm like, wow, did we really talk about much? She said something the one time. She said that sometimes it's not the importance of what we talked about, but the weight of it. Yeah. Just like having like an outside perspective on it. You can talk to your friends, but like they're going to be biased. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. Often we forget that our friends are biased. Mm -hmm. We kind of don't consider that. We unload all of our things, our Mm -hmm. venting, and then maybe they say something, maybe they don't, whatever it is. They're their own human. They've had their own life experiences Mm -hmm. that change the color of their glasses and how they view your situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that therapists really, even if they are biased, it's part of their job to mm-hmm. not be. Right. Well, and also, like, even if they are biased, they're still removed from the situation. Oh, precisely. I mean, if you think, for example, let's say you're talking about... Like, let's say you're engaged Mm -hmm. and you're talking about your fiancé. All of your friends are going to know your fiancé. That's so true. And so if you talk about this issue that you're going through with your fiancé, their responses and their advice is going to be biased based on their perceptions and interactions and how they feel about your Mm fiancé. Whereas, like, your therapist... They might be biased a little bit in, you know, certain ways, but it's not going to be colored by personal feelings. Yeah, or emotions about your fiancé. Right. It's just going to be, like, general bias and not personal. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so it's a lot more helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a lot of times friends can help you enforce the narrative that Whoever you're complaining about is at fault, mm-hmm. whereas your therapist might be like, okay, let's consider your involvement in this situation. Yes. yes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, darn. Your therapist can say, oh, so have you seen a mirror lately? <laughs> I love that. And sometimes, too, for me, I've also had the experience of, like, therapy can 
also be a really good validation. Mm-hmm. For example, if you're talking about a circumstance you were a part of and you say, this is how I felt about it. But at the same time, I feel like my feelings in this aren't valid because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then they're like, no, like, you were completely justified in feeling that. Yeah. And it's like, this person has a degree in this. Clearly, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I just think overall therapy is great. Absolutely. I think that maybe in the past, maybe in certain cultures, there's a shame associated with needing to go to therapy, mm-hmm. or wanting to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And there just simply doesn't have to be. Here's where, as I've gotten older and I've learned more and read more books and listened to podcasts and listening to people I really admire sharing their own experience, mm-hmm. I understand now so much more about trauma. Mm-hmm. And trauma is a really big buzzword lately. I feel like a lot of people have used it and explored it. And so yeah. people our age and younger and this generation know so much more about trauma than the generation before us. In some instances, it's even developed into an overuse of the word. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, because I've heard people say things like, it really traumatized me that I didn't get that shirt. Oh, I didn't have that shirt in my size, and that was so traumatizing. And I'm like, no, that's making light of trauma and what trauma actually is. Yeah. I think that growing up and even until several years ago, I associated trauma with really, really painful mm-hmm. childhood events, like, um... Like something really impactful? Yeah. Okay. So, like a parent or family member dying, mm-hmm. or... Horrific abuse, or... Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to keep this child-friendly, but I don't think I was the only one. Mm-hmm. I think that over time, people have started realizing that trauma can take so many different shapes and sizes, Instead of just being the one horrible, horrific event trauma. And so people have discovered how small instances of trauma in childhood can contribute to how you respond Mm -hmm. in everyday life, even as an adult. And that was really eye-opening for me. Because you hear the word trauma, but also another word that we're hearing a lot is triggers. Mm -hmm. That triggered me was triggered and what a trigger is is when something reminds you of a trauma that you experience and instead of responding from your current state your 25 year old self me being 25 you're responding from that place of trauma like it just happened yesterday yeah and that was really eye-opening for me because because It absolutely blows my mind that we can experience trauma, small traumas, even, and I say small, 
All trauma is trauma. It affects your thought process. It affects, honestly, the thing that blew my mind is how much it affects your emotional process. Mm -hmm. Because it isn't rational. You have a defense that rises up in you to defend you from that trauma. Mm -hmm. And so you grow up and anytime something reminds you of that trauma, you have that same defense mechanism rise up in you and Mm -hmm. you respond defensively. Because you don't want to be hurt by the trauma again. And I was, well, I heard about it and then I read about it some. But it has to do with because the part of your brain that processes trauma and stores trauma is what they call, I think, your lizard brain. (laughs) And that part of your brain doesn't know time. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why the trauma feels so fresh. Yeah. But I just thought that was really interesting. That is very interesting. I don't know. Before I heard that, I don't think I'd ever heard trauma explained that way in, like, the sense of time. Yeah. And the woman who was talking about it, well, it's a name everyone has heard on our podcast before. (laughs) Everyone knows we love Ruthie Lindsay. She was talking about how she will go to that time and be like, she'll tell herself, like, no, Ruthie, you are loved. Ruthie, you are safe. And she said the amount of trauma that she's been able to work through in that way because of the fact that that part of your brain doesn't understand time. Yeah. Is just mind-blowing. Yeah. And that's just, like, is crazy to me. It like is that crazy. we could sit here and I could be talking to little Crystal and you could be talking to little Alma and whatever it was that had happened to us, like, it would still feel as real as if it happened yesterday. I think that's you know why... I mean? Yeah, I think that's why... When we do have something in our childhood that we still remember, like, so vividly Mm -hmm. to this day. Honestly, that can be good and bad. Oh, yeah. Because I have a lot of really good experiences that I can still go right back to that moment. And I Mm -hmm. can feel so happy. And I can feel all the joy of that moment. Mm -hmm. But then I also have other moments that I can go back to and the pain feels really fresh and raw. Yes. Which is actually, side note. The best way I've ever heard grief explained. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard grief explained like the button in the box? No. Grief, the the best way I've ever heard grief explained is that it's a button in a box. And at first the button takes up pretty much the whole box. Okay. And over time, the button stays the same size. It's this, whenever you hit the button, oh, I forgot a key part. There's a ball in the box. And the ball just hits the button over and over and over and over again and reminds us of the grief. Mm -hmm. And every time the button gets hit, we remember the grief and it's so, so painful. And over time, it's not that the grief, it's not that the button gets smaller, it's that the box gets bigger. Because we add more experiences to our life, more Mm -hmm. time passes, people get added to our life, we have new experiences. 
and the box gets bigger, so the ball has more room to move around. But every now and then, it's bouncing around the box, like the logo on a TV when you were a kid, and Mm -hmm. you're like, hit the corner, hit the corner, but it never hits the corner. Right. And so... We'd be like, I think it's gonna hit right here. Yeah. And put our fingers there, so we'd all be standing there with our finger where we thought it was gonna hit. (laughs) That's funny. Hoping we were gonna be the one to win. (laughs) That's funny. So it's like that, and the ball bounces Mm -hmm. around the box, and every now and then, it still hits the button. And it... Does it, time doesn't reduce the grief. Mm-hmm. It just makes so that you feel it maybe less often. But when it does hit you, it's still just as painful and fresh. And that was so helpful like for me. I because, like that a lot. Yeah. I think that in the past when I've been grieving, mm-hmm. I thought, okay, so much time has gone past. Like, why do I still feel so sad when I think of this person or when I think of, you know... The fact of the matter is, is that if in our brains, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The, the time passing doesn't reduce the grief. Yeah. So that the ball and the box and the button metaphor was really helpful for me. Going back to what we were saying about the time, like that explains why events that really impacted us can feel so fresh. Yeah. 20 years later, 30 years later, 40 years later, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's mind-blowing how our minds work. Yeah. Absolutely mind-blowing. And here's my biggest reason for why dealing with your mental health is so important. Okay. I I mean, I guess it's a two-parter. I feel like this is... There's two equally important reasons. One is yourself, to, Mm -hmm. to be mentally healthy yourself. Right. That's very, very important. Mm -hmm. And prioritizing yourself is very, very important. But... Second biggest reason is so that you can be successful in your personal relationships. Because what we don't realize is the trauma that affects us when we're children. That affects how we view relationships mm-hmm. with our the closest people in our lives. So, like, yeah. you know, when we're little, we're supposed to have such close relationships with our caregivers, our parents. Mm-hmm. And then we have siblings, you know, and grandparents and uncles and aunts. And there's a lot of really important big relationships when we're little. Mm-hmm. And then as we get older, they kind of morph and we have friends and mm-hmm. we have spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, fiancés. You have friends? <laughs> Other than me. Oh, <laughs> I see what you're saying. I'm suddenly very jealous. <laughs> After our whole last episode where we I know, talked about I know, friendships. I know, I'm just joking. You had to throw it in there. It was too, too good to pass up. Yeah, you just set it up perfectly. I did. I really did. Yeah. Um, then, children. Yeah. And so, if we have trauma that affects the way that we perceive the world mm-hmm. when we're little, whether we realize it or not, this was mind-blowing to me. To learn this. Whether we realize it or not, that trauma affects our relationships. Because Mm -hmm. if someone says something that comes across in a way that we experienced trauma when we were little, that defense mechanism in us rises up and we're triggered, Mm -hmm. to use the word. And so we respond with that defense mechanism. I heard it explained once as, it's like you're born without glasses. 
And then when you're traumatized, you're suddenly wearing glasses. And you're viewing the world through your trauma. And then when something triggers it, it's like all of a sudden you're looking through colored lenses. So, like, you know, if your trigger, for example, let's say green. Usually you're just looking through lenses because you're looking at the world through the trauma that's happened to you or the experiences. And then when you get triggered, then it's like, bam, the green lenses pop in. And it completely changes the color of everything. Yeah. And how everything looks. And I always thought that was a good visual for it, too. That is a good visual. I just like that one. Because you're not... You're not seeing the world as it actually is. You're not exactly. seeing it's the situation. Exactly. It's a little situation. distorted. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing the situation as it actually is, and you can't, like, take a calm approach because, like, all rationale goes out the window mm-hmm. because all you can see is must defend self from trauma. Yeah. And it's actually... And that's how we were wired. Yes. We're, like... That's another... Our brains are so crazy. Think about that. Your brain is wired to protect you. Yeah. From trauma. Yeah. It's wired to say, oh, this is triggering Alma's brain. Mm-hmm. Let's protect her from that. Wall, yeah. wall. Put those colored glasses on. Calling it, in the army. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is it? I think there's like four defense mechanisms, right? There's like yeah, fight, something like flight, that. freeze, and fawn. Yeah, that sounds right. Because uh, fawn is like codependency. Mm-hmm. Flight is obviously... Flight is self-explanatory. Yeah. Freezes. Honestly, yeah, Fawn is the only one that I was like, wait, what's Fawn? Yeah, yeah. all the others are pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. You're right. Wait, how do I fight? I don't know how to do this. (laughs) Yeah, very combative. And it's very interesting to me because you're right. It's it's all to protect our brain. So like Mm -hmm. initially it served us. Initially it was like a good thing that our brain Mm -hmm. was trying to protect us. Yeah. And then when we reach adulthood, these defense mechanisms are no longer serving us at all. It's causing combativeness, mm-hmm. you know, in a... Like, it's working against us yeah. sometimes. It's so interesting. I think that's part of why, like, we kind of have to learn to retrain our brains. It's the whole... It goes right along with... Didn't we talk about um, when a negative thought comes into your head? Yeah. Being like, stop. No, I'm not going to think this. And instead of thinking, I am failing at this, thinking, I am going to succeed, I can try again, I am good at this, like, positive thoughts. It's a lot of the same thing. Like, when we feel triggered, we have to tell ourselves, like, I am safe, I am okay, this is all right, I can work through this, I can get to the other side of this safely. Even before that, we have to even be aware of what's triggering us. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Because I if you skipped even... a really important part when I was <laughs> no, what you're saying that. is absolutely right. But we oh, have I know, to but be you aware. have to know what it is. Yeah, if you have a certain behavior, mm-hmm. like okay, I will give a very personal example. When I feel fear, my first instinct is control it, control mm-hmm. the situation so that I don't, so that you don't feel fear, so that I don't feel fear. Right? Yeah, it makes sense. It's logical. Yeah, it took a long time. For me to be able to step back and say, why did I all of a sudden, like, get this feeling in my body and now mm-hmm. I'm freaking out and I'm about to yell. One day, all of a sudden, I was like, I'm feeling fear. 
Mm-hmm. I'm scared about the situation and I'm terrified that the outcome will hurt me or a family member or, mm-hmm. and, and it, it will hurt someone I love. When I was able to step back and realize how much fear I was feeling, mm-hmm. I was able to then logically step out of it, let myself feel the fear. Did you know that, side note again, an emotional reaction, do you know how long an emotional reaction lasts? No. Do you have a guess? Like a second? Oh, okay. <laughs> See, you're on the right. When I first heard that, I forget where I heard that. Someone said, how long does an emotional reaction last? And I was like, I don't know, five, ten minutes. It's 90 seconds. What? Yeah. It's only 90 seconds. Unless you harp on it and then you have the emotions that rise up in you about the emotion you're having. Which we do. Yeah, we do. I find myself doing that. Like, something will trigger me and this emotion comes up within me. And instead of, like, being like, okay... Breathe through the emotion, work through the emotion, let it go back out. I'm, like, replaying the situation in my head. I'm, like, thinking it over and over and over. Yeah. Playing through possible scenarios. I could say this, and then they could say this, or I could say that, and then they could say that. And we, well, I think for me, if I'm having a bad emotion, I, like, I harp on it. And I'm feeling like I absolutely cannot feel this bad emotion. I don't want to feel this bad emotion. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think so. So then I'm trying to get rid of this bad emotion, but I'm harping on it. And now I'm upset that I even had the bad emotion. So now I'm experiencing emotions about having the bad emotion and it just builds. Okay. So you're like, no, I don't want this emotion. Please go away. Yeah. And then it doesn't go away. And then it doesn't go away. See, and so I tend now to I'm be upset like, that I'm still feeling the emotion. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Wow. I didn't realize that we processed that so differently because I tend to be more like, I'm feeling this bad emotion and I really hate it. And then like in the back of my head, I'm like prolonging feeling it yeah. by running through the scenarios. Yeah. Because then I keep feeling it. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I'm prolonging it, too, by not letting myself feel it. Right. Because later it comes back up. So we're just prolonging it in different ways. Yeah. That's so interesting. It is very interesting. And so my point in saying that is that emotional reactions only have to last 90 seconds. Okay. And if I would just feel the fear and let myself feel the fear, in 90 seconds... I would have probably calmed down enough to then approach the situation, take the fear out of it, and Mm -hmm. make a logical decision instead of trying to control the situation and being terrified every second. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, how that applies to my life, like in a relationship, Mm -hmm. is that Tanner will bring up something that he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And... My first, if it sounds dangerous or something, my first instinct is, oh my gosh, you absolutely cannot do that. No, don't you dare do that. I will not let you. Says the person who's jumped out of a plane. (laughs) Yeah, I know. 
Wow. You are an enigma. <laughs> okay, but there's a lot more dangerous things than jumping out of a plane. Hmm. I don't know about that. You have a parachute when you're jumping. Okay, Tanner likes going into the ocean, Crystal. Do you know what's in the ocean? Yes. Sharks. And lots of other people, too. Oh my goodness. People have been going for... People have been going in the ocean a lot longer than they've been jumping out of planes. Okay, I don't mind going on the ocean. I'll go on a boat on the ocean all day. Whatever. Going in the ocean? Totally different story. People have still been going in the ocean a I lot longer than they've been jumping out of planes. Care. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> I am petrified of the ocean. It's one of my worst fears. Aren't you scared of the ocean, too? No. No? No. Oh. I'm oh, that's more right. scared. Of heights. Of heights. Yeah. And jumping out of planes. So we're like opposites. Seriously. Okay. When my family and I went on vacation, do you know what we did? The waves were pretty wavy. <laughs> <laughs> we got some tubes. Some, like, inner tubes and stuff. And we went out in the ocean. Okay, see, beach? Fine. Whatever. I'm talking about swimming out two football fields to a reef with nothing but you and a paddleboard and a snorkel mask and a spear gun. Okay, I to cannot. To go spear fishing. I can't swim well enough to do that, so I can't speak to that. Terrifying. I almost drowned, though. Those waves, they, like, knocked you down. They do. We were, like, holding on to each other, me and my sisters, to try to stay, you know, upright. Because the whole goal was to ride the wave. wave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were. Okay. But they would come so fast. Yeah. You would ride one, and then the next one would pummel you. Yeah, you're right. That's true. That's very true. So, my glasses almost got washed off, off of my face. Several times. You're not supposed to wear your glasses in the ocean. I couldn't see without them, so <laughs> I had to. Yeah, that's true. And I still have them, so. Yeah, this is a rabbit trail about the ocean, but side note, when Tanner convinced me to snorkel for the tiny bit that I was persuaded to, I very, very nearly had a panic attack, and I was two inches from the boat. It is so vast. It is so humongous. Yeah. There is so much life under there, and a lot of it is dangerous. <laughs> Small jellyfish could kill me, Crystal. What if a squid inks me in the face? <laughs> it's an irrational fear. I'm, I'm not laughing at your fear. I'm laughing at the, um, I don't know what the word is. Irrationalness of it? No. I'm laughing at the amount of passion oh. <laughs> that you have in your response to this stuff. Like, you have a passionate, I don't know if I want to say hatred or dislike for the ocean and apparently all things in it. So, do you also hate, okay, do you hate like finding Nemo and finding Dory? No. Because those are those I are movies Nemo. that are like under the ocean, and there's sharks, and there's there's definitely you know there's definitely inking, and I there's definitely jellyfish. 
I think that I can look past that in Finding Nemo, but it like, definitely... But the Dory got stung by a jellyfish. That's my point. What I'm saying here is that it doesn't... But then she got to ride sea turtles, okay? See, that sounds like fun. But all I'm saying here is that movies about the ocean, they're cute and all, but a mm-hmm. lot of times they help perpetuate my fear. That's interesting. I will say I have not seen any cute movies about skydiving, so. <laughs> Give me a plane and a parachute any day over the ocean. Look, no, I will go to the listen, beach. I will listen. go to the beach all day, every day. I can recreate the feeling of falling out of plane <laughs> for you real easy. Give me a fan and I'll throw some dirt at you. It's very different. No, I don't think so. (laughs) Um, Do you want to hear a funny story about me in the ocean? Oh, man, sure. So, the same trip where Mm -hmm. Tanner made me... Okay, he didn't make me. He did allow me to make my own choice, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to face my He persuaded you. He persuaded, yes. Mm -hmm. I got into the ocean with my snorkel mask thing on, and I was holding on to... Like, on the back of a boat, you know, there's, like, the stairs that you climb into the boat. Mm-hmm. And they, when you're in the ocean, they can, like, extend. Mm-hmm. And I was holding on to the end of it because okay. I was terrified to let it go. I let it go for a second just to, you know, I'm facing my fear. And I turn around and I see a tiny jellyfish go past my face. Now, mind you, my, my brother is along on this trip. It's Tanner, my brother, and me. Mm-hmm. And Tanner and my brother are out, I don't know, maybe 20 feet from me. And they're just having a grand old time watching sharks swim underneath them. Meanwhile, I'm two inches from the boat and I see a tiny, when I say tiny, quarter size jellyfish swim past, don't you? <laughs> swim past my mask. Here's where I say. Irrational. This is what I mean when all sense of rationale leaves your body. There was not one rational thought or one proper emergency response. <laughs> I feel like you told me this story before. Did but I? I? I think so because I know. I think I know where this ends up. But I'm really, really liking the inventive way you're telling the story this time. So I want to continue. Like, tell me the rest of it. So it swims by my goggles. All sense leaves my body. I am on fire. Like, <laughs> I, all the muscles in my body Listen, are firing. It's and, okay if you're on fire because you're in the ocean, so <laughs> water will put out fire. There you I'm go. I'm flailing like I know. an insane yeah. person. Tanner said he turned around and he saw me and he was like, oh God, there's a shark attacking Alma. <laughs> And because I'm wearing stupid flippers, I cannot get my feet into the ladder. And I'm dying, and I'm trying so hard to climb up this ladder. And I finally, the whole time, I'm screaming. As much as you can scream when you have the snorkel thing in your mouth. Mm -hmm. And needless to say, Tanner ends up cutting getting back to me literally as I'm basically I don't even know how I got in the boat I got in the boat somehow the end to this story is that the next morning I woke up I had the 
biggest bruises <laughs> I have ever had in my life. All over my legs, my arms, my back. <laughs> I I don't understand that one to this day. Anyways, that's me in the that's ocean. What, that's what the ocean. That's does what I to remembered. Me. The oh. bruises you got beat up by the ocean. Yes, I forgot to tell you that we looked it up later. The jellyfish just went past my mask. There ended up being hundreds of them. Yeah, my brother picked them up because they weren't the kind that sting. <laughs> so at one oh, point, man. he was just holding it in his hand and he was poking it. And I was like, oh my god. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I think I think that this qualifies as a trauma for you, though. Because <laughs> you're telling this story like it happened yesterday. <laughs> And I'm like, dang. Maybe it is. Maybe I need to think about this. You might need to bring it up in therapy. Maybe so. <laughs> you really tell perpetuated you, my fear of the ocean. Yeah. Just tell your therapist. Did I ever tell you about that time a jellyfish swam past my face? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great opener. Uh, the thing is, okay, so I told that story. We went down a really big bunny trail, but... Well, but, okay, but the thing there is that, like, what is, you know, humorous, maybe, to me, was kind of traumatic for you. Yeah. I mean. And. Yeah. I mean, I know we were laughing about it together. But I also don't want to make light of it, because that's traumatic. If it was. Okay, like, do you know what I mean, though? Here's where I think the trauma comes in. I don't think that event was as traumatic as right. that my fear response in that event yes. was to previous trauma. And I think the it, previous that was trauma... M- that was more of a trigger versus yes, a trauma. exactly. Yeah. Well put. Because I think as a child, I heard horror stories about the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it terrified me. And that's that's an example of how small trauma can be and how much it can affect you later in life. Man. See, okay. I grew up with dolphins being my favorite animal and they live in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And watching Free Willy. So, that's probably why I'm just I've like, oh, cool. That movie. What? You've yeah. never seen Free Willy? No. There's like three or four of them. What's it about? It's about a whale. A killer whale. Who like bonds the with a kid. Whales? Yeah, the black and white. Like an orca. Oh. And we always called them killer whales, but they're actually orcas. And how he bonds with this kid. And this kid helps. And the, the orca's name is Willie. Mm-hmm. And the kid helps set Willie free. Where was Willie? He was being held captive. At SeaWorld? Basically. Oh, interesting. Um... Free Willy was in 1993 is when it came out. And it was actually, it's a true story based on the life of Kiko, the killer whale. And it's actually Kiko, the whale, who plays the part of Willy in Free Willy. Oh my word. So. Was Kiko freed? No, because he kept coming back. Yeah, you know, maybe this is a good example of, you know, growing up, I was not very good at swimming. I heard horrible stories of people drowning in the ocean. 
for some reason, not that I watched the movie Titanic at a young age, but I heard the story of Titanic at a pretty young mm-hmm. age. And I heard several other stories of ships sinking somehow. I, I don't know why or how. And I have always been terrified of drowning. And I've always been really, really scared of oceans. Not the beach. Like, not the beach, but the vastness of the ocean. Not water. Yeah, not water. Just large, deep bodies of water. Yeah, okay, large lakes will also do it. Okay. Small ponds, nah, I'm fine. But like Lake Erie. Um, I mean, yeah, once you get out there a ways, yeah, I would not want to be swimming. Just scares me. It, it It's less than because I know there's not sharks in Lake Erie. I think it's it's just interesting how, you know, maybe I heard some of the same stories as a kid, but for some reason they left a different impact yeah. on you. Yeah. Just like, I don't know what it was about heights, but something with heights left an impact for me. Yes, that's what I was going to say, is that for you... Something else mm-hmm. caused a fear of heights. And maybe it comes down to personality, too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And just traits, nature versus nurture. You know, who knows? But it is very interesting to see how small things as a child mm-hmm. can cause reactions as an adult. And so uh, where I was going earlier is that those reactions can affect your close relationships. Yeah. Your defense mechanism, however it appears, can affect, like in a marriage, my personal experience, you know, Mm -hmm. my defense mechanism can cause, when it rises up, I lose rationale. And so I maybe say something in the moment that I regret. Or, you know, other people, like, my defense mechanism, I think... I personally think that we can display different defense mechanisms with different people or in different situations. Yes, because we get triggered in different ways. Yes. But in general, for some reason, I actually am still doing more investigating to figure out why my main defense (laughs) defense mechanism (laughs) is fight. I get really defensive and I... My main defense mechanism is fight, not flight or fawn or um, Mm -hmm. freeze. It's fight. And so I want to like, okay, we're dealing with this right now. And that can affect my relationships. Oh, I do that too. Yeah. So that's what I mean about how our defense mechanisms can affect our relationships. Yeah. Because if our, if the person we're in a relationship with, whatever relationship may be, friendship, marriage, Mm -hmm. parent, child, if something they say or do triggers and makes you makes the defense mechanism rise up, mm-hmm. then you respond without rationale. And so what we were saying earlier about first you have to even recognize that you have that trigger. You have to realize that when you're doing that fight response, mm-hmm. it's because your defense mechanism is rising up. And for me, even going back and seeing what caused the trauma mm-hmm. or what causes the defense mechanism to rise up, what triggers me, helps me enough to in the moment be like, okay, wow, I just got triggered. My defense mechanism is rising up. Yeah. And you can kind of pull yourself back into regulation and respond mm-hmm. as yourself 
not your defense mechanism. Yeah. I think it's so interesting, too. Like, so we're talking about, you know, your reaction to the ocean (laughs) and how that is, you know, kind of a humorous one, Mm -hmm. maybe. And, yeah, it's, it's still a trauma and a trigger, but it's also a very good example of how that exact same situation can happen in so many different things it could be like it could have it could be something like you were hurt as a child and someone said something that reminded you of that incident and all of a sudden you're frantic trying mm-hmm. to get out of it because yeah. it triggers you yeah like it can be so many cuz trauma has such varying levels of depth yeah it could be any of those levels, but I think it just is a really good example of what it looks like to be triggered. Yeah, you, you know, know, I hadn't, it's a hadn't good, really connected those dots before. It's a good, it's a really good example, I think you yeah, have. Yeah, because the event itself was not traumatic. And I can right. look back and laugh at myself because I think it's hilarious. Right. I woke up with tons of bruises because of my frenetic response to a trigger. Right. Now that now that we're talking about it, it you're right. Like I had never really connected that before. Mm-hmm. Because I had such a fear, such a trauma in my brain involving the ocean and yes. getting stung by a jellyfish, the idea of getting stung by a jellyfish. And because that part of your brain doesn't know time. Exactly. So when you saw the jellyfish, it was like ah! that I just got freaked out by this yesterday. I need to get out of here. Yeah. Flailing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. That did. That worked out to be a good example. It was a very good example. Hilarious and a good example at the same yeah. time. Maybe I'm talking a lot about trauma with you right now, but I guess lately that's what I've been learning. I don't know what all you've been feeling or learning about mental health lately, but lately... I've been learning more about trauma and how it affects our day-to-day relationships, Mm -hmm. completely unbeknownst to us. I think I've been learning more about depression. Mm. And some of it is stuff I already knew. Maybe, Maybe I shouldn't say learning. I think I've been reminding myself. Okay, yeah. Of how different depression can look for different people. Yes. Because it's one of, it's again one of those things where I think I used to have this misconception mm. that depression is, you only call it depression if you're in your bed and you can't even get out and mm-hmm. you have no interest in eating or anything like that. That's always what I thought depression was and I didn't think it was anything else. Yeah. And then, you know, you I heard somebody say, you know, things like functional depression or a depressive episode or things like that. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? I thought depression was like all the time. What's functioning depression? Just like different things like that. And realizing that like having a day where, you know, I'm sitting on the couch and I feel like I can't get up and do things. 
that's depression. And am I still getting up and taking care of my kids? Yeah. But that's because it's a functioning depression. Yeah. And it comes and goes. And so it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just been interesting to, I don't know, learn about that more, I guess. Yeah. Or remind myself about that again. Absolutely. Remind myself to have grace for myself. Yes. And that's important. I think that with depression... I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of times my perception was that depression is feeling sad. Mm. Oftentimes, and again, like you said, it looks different in different people, but oftentimes Mm -hmm. depression can look more like being numb. Yeah. And uh, I've heard people describe not enjoying activities that they usually do Mm -hmm. or that they did in the past. Or even food they like to eat. Yeah. Just not enjoying things that Mm -hmm. they have looked forward to in the past. Listening to their favorite music. Yeah, that would be a big thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, our mental health, in general mental health, really does vary so much person to person. We never know what someone's experiences have been. Mm-hmm. In their life up to the moment that we meet them, up until, you know, the moment that we interact with them. So we don't know the responses they've had to the events in their life. Mm-hmm. It's so subjective. Mental health is so subjective. And what worked for one person is not going to work for another. Yeah. And the way that one person experiences depression is not the way that this other person is going to experience depression. Yeah, for sure. And the same with anxiety. Anxiety can manifest in so many different ways. And anxiety doesn't always have to be having panic attacks, Mm -hmm. you know? I agree. I think that one of the things that can help us, like, at least for me. Yeah. I guess I don't know about you. That helps me with my mental health is trying to manage my stress. Yeah. Has helped a lot. Yeah. Making it a priority. Mm -hmm. Making yourself a priority in that way. Because that's really what you're saying. Yeah. Like, you're stepping back and you're saying, I am a priority and I deserve more than all this stress that Mm -hmm. I'm going through. Yeah. Well, that's, I feel like that's why I did some posts on on our Instagram. Yeah. About stress and stuff. Because I felt like I needed a reminder. That's, yeah, that's wonderful. So you're preaching to yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we're often preaching to the choir. Yeah. You know, I recently heard someone saying something and it was a good reminder that Mm -hmm. when you're teaching something or repeating something to someone else, Mm -hmm. you end up learning more. Yeah. As we're talking about this during this episode, I've had several Mm -hmm. realizations about me and... Just in talking, like, things have clicked. I often have realizations when you send me the quotes to make indent images for our our social media. Mm. Like, that are, like, clips from our podcast. Yeah. I often have realizations from those. Yeah. Like, you get to, you, maybe it's the third time you've been exposed Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. Oh, that could be, actually. 
Yeah, who knows? Maybe you heard it one time. Then heard it the first time and then you're repeated it. it with me. And then you're reading it. And then again. you sent it to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, repetition helps so much. It really um, does. And I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing about mental health for, to me is that however it looks for you, whatever you need to do to be your healthiest mentally, mm-hmm. that is okay for you to do. Yeah. There is no shame. Yeah. There is, you're not problematic. I agree. For addressing anything that you need to work through. I think that, especially the background that we come from, from the Amish church perception, I guess you could say, when someone has something going on, like with their mental health that they're trying to deal with, Taking a medication for it is looked at very negatively. Yeah. Which actually, honestly, I think that might be a thing just in general, too. Not just in the Amish church, but just across the board. Yeah. I feel like it is becoming more destigmatized. I agree. Yes, I agree with that. But I agree with you. I feel like it's just maybe hanging on a little more here yeah. in, the, in these communities. Yeah. Of like, oh, you need medication for that. That's like a a negative. I don't think it's a negative, though. I think it's, I think it's more of a positive. Yeah. Because it's, it's sh- showing that you're willing to do the work you need to do mm-hmm. in order to take steps towards... Being in a better place. Mm-hmm. That's not nothing. No, absolutely not. You know, that takes commitment and... Absolutely. There's a lot involved in that, but... I completely agree. So I said earlier that whatever we need to do to be our healthiest mentally mm-hmm. is what we need to do. And it just reminds me of how much we've talked about boundaries. Sometimes yes. we're starting to feel overwhelmed and... You know, maybe it's affecting you and you're feeling more anxious. Mm-hmm. Simply saying no to certain events, taking care of your mental health. Yeah. That's whatever you need to do. Or saying no to being around certain people who negatively affect your mental yeah. health. I feel like it That's all ties together. Boundaries yeah. are important to your mental health. I agree. There's so many aspects of things that we've realized are important that tie back to mental health. You know, when we started recording this podcast and everybody was asking, what's it about? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. We're just going to talk about stuff. And I've been realizing, like, it's about boundaries. (laughs) Everything ties back to boundaries. Everything ties back to boundaries. And boundaries are so important and looked at so negatively. Yeah. Like, especially just with our backgrounds. It's just like, if you have boundaries, you're selfish. And you're not putting value on your mental health and saying, I'm sorry, like, when I spend time with you, that negatively impacts my mental health, so I can't do that. Placing that boundary and saying, no, Mm -hmm. that's not selfish. Putting a value on your mental health is important. It's important for you 
if you're married, it's important on your spouse. Um, it's important for your kids. Like, it's important for the people around you who depend on you. Yeah. Like, it's important for you to be able to depend on you. Yeah. You live with yourself. You do. I live with myself. Oh my gosh, I live with myself. <laughs> That's terrifying. And I have to live with myself. Yeah. So I would like myself to be a pleasant self. I think that's a little, that sounds a little terrifying because it sounds intimidating. Yeah. Living with yourself, that sounds intimidating. Yeah. Wow. Okay. For me, like placing boundaries on things that men- that negatively negatively affect my mental health looks like limiting the amount of time I spend on Instagram, limiting mm-hmm. the amount of time I spend on my phone, period. Yeah. Uh, increasing the amount of time I spend in the sun. Yeah. Increasing the amount of time I spend with my dogs. You know? Oh, man. thought you were going to say increasing the amount of time you spend with Crystal. That, too. I just hadn't gotten that far yet. Well, you got really excited, and then you said your dogs. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I know where I rate. <laughs> no, you rate higher than the dogs. Do I, though? Yeah. Do I really? Yes. But think about it. Cuddly puppies? Cuddly doggies? Dogs are always puppies for some reason. Do you do that too? No. You don't? No. I have cuddly kids, though. That's true. Also, increasing the amount of dad jokes in my life. Oh, I actually have this really good joke that I've been working on about construction. Okay. It's just not done yet. Um. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That's a good one. That's really threw me off because on our Instagram I posted... A dad joke the other day. And I was like, I was pretty sure she saw that. I don't think she's going to tell me that one. Was it the same one? No. Oh, okay. I didn't think so. But no, it was just like, I was still thinking through that. You know? (laughs) I think my brain's on slow speed tonight. (laughs) You know, we used to have this, this lawnmower that had... A couple of speeds on it. For the slow speed, it was a turtle. For the fast oh, yes. speed, it was a rabbit. I think my brain's stuck on turtle speed today. <laughs> well, in the end, the tortoise won, so. Not tonight. Not tonight? No. <laughs> not tonight. Well, I'm sure we'll have more conversations about mental health because we have covered quite a few things, I guess. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much more, though. Yeah. We've had a lot of conversations just like this. Yeah. About mental health and how different things we've learned has affected us. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I I love having those conversations with you because sometimes you have those aha moments while you're talking and something clicks. Yeah. You know, there's something wonderful about going to therapy and having someone totally unbiased to talk about. We talked about earlier that... Our friends are biased, whether they want to be or not, but there's also, it's wonderful to have friends to talk to about different aspects of your life and having them to bounce things off of. Yeah, And sharing the experiences. Yeah. Because oftentimes our friends have gone through similar or relatable situations Mm -hmm. and they can identify with you and be there and support you and you can be there and support them. And somebody to celebrate with when you have a victory. Absolutely. Because those are important. Celebrating the little wins. Yes. 
oftentimes, you're absolutely right. We hear like, oh, friends are so important. It's so important to have someone to support you when you're going through hard times. But I love having someone to celebrate the wins mm-hmm. and to celebrate the amazing things in life with. I think, too, some, okay, here's uh, on the topic of wins. It could be as simple as, I got out of bed today. Celebrate that win. Yeah. I ate healthy today. Celebrate that win. Yeah. I caught myself thinking a negative thought and I replaced it with a good one. Celebrate the win. Like, it doesn't Absolutely. matter. It could be, I stuck to a boundary. It could be big or small, but celebrate the wins. Because yes. those are, that's like creating a positive memory. Mm-hmm. For your brain. Yep. With that experience. Yes. And the more positive ones you build up, the easier it becomes. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Well, we're going to celebrate that we're done recording this podcast. That sounds like fun. Yay! Woo! <laughs> so thank you for sticking with us and hanging out and hearing our conversation about this yeah we're probably going to post some polls or questions over on instagram we'd love to hear your guys's perspectives about different aspects of mental health you can also find some tips on relieving stress and there's we've got some fun videos on there too so if you want to check those out yes if you know what a reel is We've been having a lot of fun getting creative and filming reels. Yes. It's a real bonding experience, honestly. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's a real bonding (laughs) experience. (laughs) I'm a poet and I didn't know it. Um, (laughs) That was amazing. You're so punny. I'm so punny. Yes, it it is, though. It's a bonding experience because we laugh so much together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we mess them up and then we laugh with each other. It's it's just been a lot of fun. And we think they're funny. So, okay. our sense of humor. Be honest. Sometimes we mess them up about 500 times. Yes. Yeah. We, I think the record for the longest we've spent on a reel, what would you say? Two and a half hours? Probably. Yeah. You add the... Com- the, the, two <laughs> the two different times. The two different attempts. Yes. That did happen. Yes, it did. And then one time, we got one done in literally 30 seconds. Yep. That has happened, too. Yeah. It really, really varies. And boy, did we celebrate that when We really celebrated <laughs> that, yeah. So find us over on Instagram for probably a lot of punny reels, honestly. Mm-hmm. And we're also on Facebook at The Friendship Bread. We hope you liked this episode. If you did, share it with your friends. That helps us a lot. And if you have two minutes, you could leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. It can be a little tedious, but it doesn't take very long. And it helps so much with getting the podcast promoted more in search results so more people see it. Thank you again so much for joining us for this conversation about mental health. And we hope you'll be back next week for another episode of the Friendship Red Podcast, where we will be talking more about body positivity. Back by popular demand. Yes. Goodbye. Goodbye.